Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dating in the Bay. Today, we're heading to Chicago because Case Kenny is here, and he's the author of Single is Your Superpower, and he also has his own podcast. And the reason I really wanted to have him on was because his podcast talks a lot about mindset and mindfulness, and he's recently kind of dabbles more into the dating realm. And obviously, this is a dating podcast, but I found that a lot of the conversations that I've been having on the show really have a lot more to do with how we show up, our own energy and mindset, and how we actually talk to ourselves. That honestly seems like it's half the battle, at least from my personal experience. (laughs) So I was really excited when he agreed to come on because I just feel like there's so much synergy and I think he's doing amazing things and he's on something definitely. He does music and also mindfulness and mindset stuff. So it's pretty cool. And also yesterday I walked straight, I opened my door straight into my head. So I don't think I have a concussion, but I feel like I might be a little bit extra loopy. So please forgive me if I sound a little extra crazy today. And I did want to tell you guys my favorite bad date story because I was talking to one of my friends the other day and she was like, oh, you should write a book about all your bad dates. And I was like, well, I mean, I have a podcast. I guess I could start telling my really hilarious stories, not the ones that are traumatic in nature, just the funny ones. This one, I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but if I have, then you're in for a treat to hear it again. But basically I went out with this clown. I didn't know he was a clown. He was like an engineer who said he had too much passive income, so he was becoming a clown, or he was recruited to be a clown, but he was becoming a clown. And not only was he becoming a clown, but he was going to make his own clown school and he was gonna create his own clown curriculum software so that he could help calendar things for clowns. He said that scheduling clowns for parties was like a big problem. So he was solving it with his software, whatever calendar thing. Anyways, the whole date was super weird. I felt like I was being punked half the time, mostly about clown related things. Anyways, at the end, I just remember him asking me to give him cash for the date. And the whole thing was just weird. And I know I have an unpopular opinion that I just like when a guy will offer to pay for the first date. I just think it's nice. So anyways, it's another topic for another day. But anyways, Long story long, then we go on our merry way. The next day he calls me and leaves me a voicemail, but he calls me by the wrong name. He calls me Rachel. So I think I shot him a text after. I was like, hey, I'm not sure if you like meant to text me or like if you were trying to talk to a Rachel, but you know, it was really nice getting to chat with you yesterday. Wish you the best. I don't think we're probably a match, but I know you'll find someone out there. Something along those lines. And he did not take that well. And then he called me again and I didn't answer because it's too much. And uh, so then he texts me also and he was like, Because also during the day at one point, you know, he said he was like an INTJ or something. And then he said, statistically speaking, I was the perfect match for him. And it would be such a shame if we didn't give this a fair shot because of what a good match I would be for him. So it was just too much. The whole thing with the clown and then telling me, like, just based on his own mathematical situation. I just think they're so funny to share. And hopefully they can lighten the load a bit. A bad date makes for really good stories, which then you can look at. Like now I can laugh about the clown. I'm like, oh, I went out with a clown and like he was making his own clown calendar software and then called me the wrong name. So I much prefer going on a very bad date that I can have a really good story to tell about it. Let's get to Casey's interview. I think you're gonna really enjoy it.
All right, Case Kenny, welcome to Dating in the Bay. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. Well, you're a podcaster, a writer, a mindset, dude bro guy. I love all of your coffee that you post. Do you actually drink all that coffee? Yeah. Yeah. I drink a lot of coffee. Okay. And is that your first cup of the day? Do you wake up and then you go and get the coffee or what's kind of the play-by-play? It depends. So, I mean, I genuinely try to... I'll pour coffee. Like I've got a, usually it's my coffee. Like I've got coffee cups. I'll drink it out of that, pour it, and then write on it. On the off time that I mess up writing, I have to do a new one. In that case, I won't drink another cup just to have another cup that would kill me with all the caffeine. But yeah, it's usually like that. I'll usually sit down, have a cup of coffee, figure out the quote that I want to write, write it on it, and then go find a wall in Chicago. Yeah, it's fun to see all the different walls that you find. How do you come up with a quote? And then what does your normal day look like? I mean, most everything is from the podcast in some sense. Some of the coffee ones aren't just because I need short and sweet and I like to talk. So I usually keep those for the card ones I do. But I mean, as far as my day, it's not as glamorous as one would think. Like, oh, case okay, so cool. He just writes quotes on the internet and makes a living from it. It's not nearly that glamorous and quite involved. Usually I do two episodes a week for the podcast. So I'm either writing that or recording that. Do a lot of music stuff. So I'm collaborating with artists. And then I have a whole business side of what I do. I have journals that I sell and that's a growing business. So that requires quite a bit of attention. So doing a lot of the business stuff, I have two more books coming out in the near future. So I'm working on those. I'm writing those. I'm editing those. Also doing the coffee stuff. That could take an hour a day to do. So I'm really passionate about combining different elements of mindfulness. So I combine music, and mindfulness with my house music stuff that I do, writing and mindfulness, words and mindfulness. The next one I'm going to come out, think about kind of in the tune of food and mindfulness, but not food, something that a sense, one of your senses and mindfulness, and it's a product that you could buy and use, and it makes you more mindful. <laughs> so big. Interesting. You'll have to come back and you can... Yeah, I'll talk about it. Yeah, for sure. You can say what it is. Yeah, so my podcast is about dating. But I find that most of my episodes end up more in the mindset realm. And then your podcast is more mindset than you seem to dabble more in the dating. Yeah. So I'm curious like, what your dating life is like now. Yeah, it's funny because I never used to talk about dating on the podcast. And then people bullied me into doing it. And here I am. Uh, I mean, as far as my dating, like I took the last year off basically for COVID. And just like, this is the perfect time just not to date. So I really haven't been dating. I've recently picked up and have started dating around a bit. But super, super low key. I've been single for the past three years, which is a departure from my 20s where I was never single. So I've just kind of found myself in a phase where I'm not really in a hurry to do anything, really. Kind of what comes will come. And if not, I'm like very passionate about what I'm building and what I'm doing and just kind of growing in that sense. So yeah, casual dating. I think the challenge that I've run into, and it's a weird comment to say, but it's I don't want to date someone who listens to my podcast which in Chicago, like it's a big podcast and a lot of people listen to it. It's becoming an increasingly difficult thing. Not necessarily like someone listens to it and then we date. It's like someone finds, wants, we're about to go out and then they listen to the podcast and then we go out. I'm just trying to separate myself from that. I was actually having a conversation with my friend earlier who's a really well-known author and we were joking about the fact that sometimes what he'll do or his buddies who are authors and recording artists, they'll say that they're an accountant or something like when they meet someone. Not because I'm a famous podcaster by any means, but just the content sometimes is so fine-tuned and curated. It's 
I stand for all the things that I preach, of course, but I'm not perfect. And I think sometimes it's a little unfair to go into circumstances where that's the expectation. So that's kind of made me a little less enthusiastic to date right now, which is fine. I'm so in love with what I'm doing. I'm so passionate about it. It's not, you know, I don't feel alone or anything like that. So yeah, that's kind of it. I think it'll change as it becomes summer and then kind of COVID hopefully is uh, less of a factor there as well. Yeah, I feel like it might be the opposite though. If somebody heard you and then they would get to know different sides of you, wouldn't it seem like they would appreciate more about who you are from all different sides? Maybe, but I found it to be the opposite. For one, someone put on a pedestal. It's like, oh my God, Case like is this amazing guy and he does this and he does that. I'm like, I don't need that advantage to meet someone in life. I really don't want to be that guy who uses like Instagram to meet someone or something like that. I hear your point though, but sometimes I just think it's a little unfair to myself, as weird as that sounds, just the expectation that I'm this perfect human being when it's just the internet and everything I say is true and I live for it, but it's curated and it's edited in that sense. So I just want to make it fair for myself and um, you know, just try to stick to that. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially because I feel like as soon as somebody puts somebody on a pedestal, then it's already so imbalanced and it's like a game over. Yeah. And it's that and it's just like sometimes the logistics of it, like sometimes people listen to my podcast and then they'll want to go out and like they think that I'm this guy who just loves to like all day, every day talk about mindfulness and vibration and meditation. I was like, dude, I'm an idiot. Like, I, let's just go out and drink and have fun. Like, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I do it for all day, every day. And it's like, I don't want to continue to go and do it necessarily. I, like, I am willing to, of course, but like, that's a side of who I am, not the whole picture, right? It's not like I'm that 24 seven. You want to be able to turn it off. Yeah, it's like a departure from it completely. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So are you on dating apps then? I'm on Raya oh. and Hinge, but I don't really check it, to be honest. Fair enough. I guess I'm curious, the pandemic has been pretty hard for single people in particular. What kind of like silver linings have you found? In addition, I know from business side, you've been successful, but like from your own journey and what's gotten you through? I think a lot of different things. I think for one, cliche to say, but like I've learned that there is a big difference between being alone and being lonely. And... I think a lot of the times we don't take the time to understand that. And we assume that being alone is being single. Being single is being alone and being alone is lonely. It's just like one fluid motion. That's how you operate. And I think a lot of times we don't take the time to check ourselves that being alone doesn't necessarily mean you're lonely. And of course, I empathize with people who are legitimately lonely and I would never discredit that. But I think a lot of times that's not necessarily the feeling, particularly when people are comparing themselves to other people, or they're looking back at old relationships and they're feeling lonely because now they're alone. What are you missing exactly from that relationship? The person or the activities? That things, the activities, the experiences, those are totally findable again. We're in a weird time for one. Two, like the whole idea of feeling lonely, totally valid. But I think, you know, obviously I stand, wrote a book about singles or superpower, but I think being alone is the most formative time of your life. It's a huge opportunity to, to do so much, whether it's business and creative and like that, I have found that to be extremely true. Like, I feel like outside of business and podcasts and things like that, I've just like really found my stride as a dude living and just found my sense of confidence and sense of direction. And I don't think I would have found that if I wasn't alone in that sense. I found that to be true. And then also, I talk a lot about this idea of people a lot of the times think that being single particularly within a pandemic, but being single in general is like something that you want to get through. You're single and it's like, you want to get on the other side of being single. You want to like, you want to rush through it because being single is bad. It's a stigma or whatever. I clearly don't think that. And I talk a lot about, I try to put myself in my shoes like 10 years from now 
I don't think it's possible when I'm, let's call it 45, looking back, I don't think I'll ever look back and be like, man, I regret being single in 2020, in 2021. I don't think that's a phrase that could possibly come out of my mouth. There's other things I can regret, regret being in a toxic relationship, regret being in a relationship I knew I wasn't right for, and so on and so forth. And I really believe that. And that helps give me a little bit of centeredness during this time. I also talk to people, my parents, my grandparents, other older generational people, and I ask them, and then no one ever says they regret their single years. So I think it's sometimes it's a helpful exercise to flash forward, to look back. I know in the moment, it's not easy, but I think you put yourself in the future, your family, kids, whatever, you're not going to look back. Man, I regret the year 2020 being single. There might be aspects of things that you regret in, in this time, but I don't think that's one of them. So kind of a, a hodgepodge of mindsets, but those have really helped me. Yeah, no, I love that, especially because for me, I feel like I've also kind of found my stride as a single female. And so I feel like all personal growth, I'm always kind of nervous. Oh, how would I translate all this growth that I'm having? And then when I get in a relationship, is it just static? Kind of scary to think about for me, at least. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Because I think if I'm honest and vulnerable, it's like I'm a little nervous to be in a relationship because I love my alone time, not like just being alone, but being able to do whatever I want being able to explore whatever I want, being able to create whatever I want. Like I am on rocket mode growth, personally, career, everything. The second I get in a relationship, it doesn't necessarily have to stop, but you've got new responsibilities and you you owe someone else the energy and the attention. I don't know if I'm ready to give that up. I like being selfish right now. So yeah, it's <laughs> my greatest fear would be that it's it just it just stops. And like I don't people don't talk about that enough, that it's the fear of plateauing and getting in that rut. Oh, I don't want to be on a couch watching TV every night and doing that. Yeah, I certainly don't either. And I mean, I think that's us on the outside looking in. I think you find someone, the right person that won't necessarily be the case. But I mean, I think comfort begets comfort. Like you get with someone and you're comfortable together, you kind of lose a little bit of that drive. But I think it's much easier to maintain your motivation when you're single. Yeah. I think that's a truth. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the answer because I'm single. Figuring it out as we go. So you mentioned that you were in a bunch of relationships in your 20s. I was definitely like more on the apps than ever in my 30s. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just kind of drawn to that. Maybe assumption was this is what I'm supposed to do. Didn't really know what I was doing career-wise. I feel like I found more comfort and stability in a relationship. And like that gave me a sense of purpose because I didn't have it in my job or a creative outlet. Yeah, it just kind of, it just happened. I was like a three-year long, then a two-year, then like another three-year or something like that. And then turned 30, 29, 30. And then I was like, oh, who am I outside of a relationship? But also, who am I outside of a job? Outside of my job, I was working in sales. I'm going to take the time to figure this out. That's kind of been my journey the last three years, like really selfish focused on that. Made me realize that, at least for me, and again, it's not for everyone. There's no rush for me. I don't feel any pressure to date necessarily or date seriously necessarily. So I've kind of just really gravitated towards that. And it's just made me super happy. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm just really happy. I don't feel pressure. And it's been great. It's been really fulfilling. It's funny because I was in an almost five-year relationship. And right before my 30th birthday, I had this just freak out. What am I doing? When you turn 30, everything just becomes a lot more clear. And it's kind of been similar to you. New reframing and new mindset shift, I suppose. So I appreciate that. We are going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, GiftPod. 
Emotions are way more intensified since we don't have all those pre-pandemic life distractions. This year has taught me a lot about resilience and perspective. And the ups and downs of dating during a pandemic are, um, yeah, they're a lot. What's helped me to get through are the unsung bays, my friendships. Through GiftPod, I'm able to record a message to my closest bays and let them know I'm thinking about them and all the fun things we'll do together post-quarantine. The team at GiftPod will spruce it up with music and give it to them as a private podcast. It's a great gift to send to your friends as a pick-me-up and an extra boost to brighten their days during this kind of turbulent time. GiftPod is offering listeners 10% off with the code 104BAY. That's the number 10, S-O-R-B-A-E. You can check them out at giveagiftpod.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Oh, yeah, I forgot to ask. Where in Virginia did you grow up? Uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, nice. I love Charlottesville. I lived in D.C. for four years, close by. They have nice vineyards there. Yeah, no, Virginia is great. Charlottesville's great. My parents still live there, so I go back there frequently outside of this past year. But I like it. Yeah, it's a great state. I know. I really like it there. Okay. So when you're doing your podcast and you're giving all this life advice, when I was listening to it, I didn't even realize that you're we're like the same age, but you sounded like so wise, like a therapist or something. Is it kind of like you're talking to yourself and pumping yourself up? How does that work? To be honest, I have no idea. I talk a lot about this recently. Lately, I do a lot of interviews and I think I was given a weird skill in life. I think everyone's giving skills. Some are overt, like you're a great athlete, you're great with numbers, you're an amazing singer. Some are like in your face, this is my talent, this is why I'm on earth. Others, and I think the vast majority of people have very subtle skills. And I think my skill in life that I've discovered is I have an ability to simplify things. And I've always been able to do this for me. It's like I've always been able to like make decisions quickly. And that's like half impatience, half simplifying. But I was always able to rock whatever outcome came because I could simplify my reaction to it, just how I'm wired. And I started to realize that this past two years doing the podcast that I could sit down and take a complex topic and I could just sit down and get in this really vulnerable state and just pour out my take on it in a simple way. And I do. I don't know. To everyone who says it's therapeutic and all these amazing kind words, it's like, that's very nice. Thank you so much. I don't know how I do it, to be honest. My, I mean, my process is very simple. I sit right over there in my chair overlooking the Chicago River. I put on music. And I usually write out almost my entire episode beforehand, like a very, very, very in-depth outline, sometimes with complete sentences, because I really want to choose my words carefully. So I'll just sit down, and I'll just vomit it out. And it takes like 40 minutes and it just done. Something about the combination of giving myself a prompt plus with the right music. And it just conjures up some state of vulnerability and I'm able to do it. And then, then I sit down and record it in like a calm way. That isn't like preachy because I hate being preached to. Yeah, I think I think to your question, it's kind of like I am kind of talking to myself. I say all the time that I do the podcast for me. It's like therapy for me. I don't go to a therapist or anything like that. Uh, although I think it's super healthy, healthy, and everyone should if they're so inclined. I find a lot of value in talking things through myself. So when I sit down and do it, I'm like reinforcing these thoughts of my own. I really feel it on a fundamental level. It's different than giving a lecture or something where I'm trying to impart something and and impress a certain point of view. It's like, I'm just trying to remind myself of this. Maybe that's why it comes across a little gentler. That's my process. I don't know. That's cool. Do you hand write out your script or do you type it? Oh, I type it. I can never hand write it. Holy cow. I get ready just writing on my coffee cup quotes. I'm like, who does this? Like with your hands? 
with a pen? Like, what are we in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was going to ask you, so you did an episode, I forget which one it was, but you talked about the beautiful side and the ugly side of yourself. Literally every single thing that you listed, I was like, oh, I think I'm all of those things. I just thought it was like an interesting way to think about all of our insecurities and vulnerabilities in a positive way. What would you say is your biggest insecurity? Yeah, someone asked me that the other day. I don't know. It's tough to define. I think I definitely feel like I have something to prove a lot of the time. I don't know if that comes from anything in my childhood or teenage years. I feel like I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder and like I'm trying to prove that I'm successful, might be it, or wealthy or something in there. I'm not too sure. I'm in tune with that, I think. I don't know if I'm insecure about it, but I feel like sometimes I'm motivated for the wrong reasons. Otherwise, I feel like I've gotten over a lot of insecurities previously. Like I used to be like pretty quiet. Not that being quiet means you're insecure at all. But I think for me, it, it might have. But now I love to hear myself talk, apparently. So I think I've evolved past that. Yeah, one of my friends, we've been friends since we were five. And she recently started listening to my podcast. And she's like, Rebecca, I used to be so quiet. And now you have a podcast. And I was like, yeah, that was literally 20 plus years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not the same person. That's crazy, right? People judge you based on how you were in junior high. Yeah, I'm like, can we please move on <laughs> from that, from five years old? So I asked people on Instagram what I should ask you. And I've sprinkled in some of the questions, but some of them were just really funny. A couple of people said they wanted to go out with you. Somebody asked, how are you so handsome? A couple of people said that we should date each other, which was also, what else do you see as even music and then the food thing? What's kind of like... <laughs> I should clarify, it's not food. I don't know why I said it. Is it CBD or something? <laughs> no, I, I'm just being silly. I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. I'll shoot you an email. Okay. What else would you want to dabble in? Well, I definitely want to do more music stuff. I'm very passionate about that. And I think the intersection of music and mindfulness is just ripe for innovation in a sense. So I want to do that. I want to do more like live music type stuff, events and whatnot, and just kind of experiences. So that's big for me. I mean, ultimately, I want to be able to create a year-long journaling experience for people. So the ability to journal for a whole year right now, I've only have, you know, 120 days. So I kind of want to triple that for people. And then other, other, I say products, but I'm really not trying to make products. I'm just trying to create experiences that bring mindfulness with other senses. And I'm big on that. So, um, and continuing to innovate there. And then, I mean, I've pretty open, like my aspirations, I want to be the biggest podcaster in the world. And this is what I want to do. So continuing to build my impact and my voice and just continuing to be honest and do it for the right reasons and build a legacy around it and make money from it, like everything, everything from it and just be happy as I do it and not put too much pressure on myself. Well, well, if you're going to be the biggest podcaster in the world and then you're going to find somebody, then somebody's going to probably hear your podcast. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say that I like to put like big titles on things. I just want to help more people. Like I always say, like my whole goal is like, I never want anyone to feel alone in life. And I think that's a really powerful thing because, you know, it's not going to solve your problems to realize that someone else has gone through the same problem or someone else is going through the same problem. But I feel like it, it lessens some of the suffering we put ourselves through when we put ourselves in a corner and think we're the only one dealing with insecurities or dating issues or a lack of self-esteem or something like that. And the reality is everyone does and is and will. So that, that's my mission. That's That's like my character ethos of like what I'm doing on earth. And then I always think if you're good at something, you should make a living from it. 
should make money from it. Yeah. So I've been figuring that out. I, I, it took me seven years to figure it out <laughs> and I'm still figuring it out. So hopefully things will continue to go well for me and I got to earn it. Well, you're killing it. So I think you'll be good. Thank you. What's the best dating advice that you've ever received? That I've ever received? Oh, wow. Huh. I don't know. Maybe like Mark Manson. It's not like he gave this to me, but read in his writing. He's got the F yes or F no kind of vibe, right? It's, if it's not a heck yes, then it's a heck no in dating. And I think that's a little black and white. I used to be one to be like, oh, I could grow to like this person. I can grow to love this person. And I don't think that's ever the right mentality. I think certainly connection grows with someone else, but I don't think you should ever put yourself in a situation or the other person in a situation where you pressure yourself to grow, to like each other, to love each other. I don't, I don't think that's a thing. I learned that from him. And that's like a very simple take on dating, right? If it's not heck yes, then it's, then it's heck no. I feel like a lot of times in life and particularly probably my late twenties was kind of like, ah, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing with this girl. So I'm just going to keep rocking, just like living in this gray, ambiguous area of life. And I feel like a lot of people do that with dating. We don't really know why we do what we do. We don't know why we're dating someone. We don't know why we're swiping. And that really helped remind me and kind of was like the catalyst for all my stuff, which is you have to have a why. You have to have intention behind everything. And if you don't, that's where you get in trouble because it's not heck yes and it's not heck no because you're not making any decisions. So that was the best third party <laughs> advice <laughs> that I consumed. Yeah. I don't know, I'm trying to give whatever advice people have given me. I don't know. I feel like I'm the one always giving advice. No one's ever given me advice. Man. <laughs> What's the best advice that you think that you've given dating advice wise? Probably the mindset around chasing and attracting, I think is big. I, that's a pretty broad one. Maybe the specifically around dating for attention. I think so many people date for attention and we confuse connection with attention so much. We have to raise our standard. Your standard for dating someone can't be that they're nice to you and that they pay attention to you. That's the bare minimum. And I, I, sometimes we don't realize that because we're in this mentality where maybe we've been hurt before, maybe our standard's low, maybe we're lonely, maybe we're desperate, whatever, and we just got to break free of that. So I think hopefully that's powerful advice. Yeah, I like that. What kind of values do you look for? Because like those are table stakes. Yeah. So I mean, definitely table stakes. Another table stakes one to add to it, but one that's really important is kindness. Mm-hmm. I know that that's so vague, but like... Like I always say, number one, kindness. I didn't know you have to say it, but apparently you have to like... Yeah, that's where we are in life. So that's one. I mean, for me specifically, like I need, some, I need a woman who is driven beyond a nine to five and like kind of just cliche things. Like I'm not saying like an entrepreneur or a talent person or an artist or musician, but someone who has a passion outside of work, working out, et cetera. Like something that they're building, something that they just passionately support, a cause, philanthropy, business, talent, art, something like that. Like I just found that's really important to me. Like I've always kind of had a sticking point dating with someone who is just like aspirationally didn't really have much beyond oh, my job. I'm done with my job. Now I want to get married. Have and I think that's fantastic. But for me, I need a little bit more someone who's driven to consciously leave an impact with some kind of skill. Not that there's anything wrong with the former. I just evolved to realizing that for me, I need that matching energy because that's me. And I have realized that the opposites attract kind of isn't my vibe. So I kind of, I need, I need someone who's like somewhere on the same level as far as aspiration and like energy output. What do you mean by the opposites attract? What is that? It would be like, I will be the entrepreneur artist and she will be the 
girl next door kind of like, got it and it's like that's, that doesn't okay. work for me <laughs> all right fair enough do you people ask you for dating advice or just advice in general in your dms yeah yeah i feel bad because i used to be able to respond to pretty much everyone now i just can't what do you see as like the main common denominator for that? i mean i think a lot of times it comes down to people not understanding where their partner is mentally intention wise i think a lot of them are here's my situation i've been dating such and such for so and so so and so for such and such amount of time and i feel this way but i'm not sure how he feels or i feel this way i'm not sure what she feels what should i do like a lot of a lot of that or i also get a lot of dms of just like honestly it's like heartbreaking stories of people being rejected broken up with ghosted left really opens your eyes to kind of how cruel people can be oh geez so a lot of that, a lot of that, a lot, lots of people either searching for clarity or searching for closure, Yeah, which I think are probably the two main buckets, right? Yeah. Interesting. You probably spend all day just responding to everybody's DMs. I used to, and I still try to, I just, I need to respect my energy is, is draining and it's like, you're always on. So I just need to kind of check myself a little bit. So I, I try to. If anyone ever wants to, I say just DM me a couple times because it'll bump it up. Otherwise, it just gets lost quickly. I want to be helpful. So if I can. Yeah. I feel like you could start your own little coaching company on the side or group coaching or something. People ask me that a lot. Like, oh, I'll pay you to be my coach or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not a coach. I'm just the guy. So I don't know. Maybe one day. I am trying to like diversify my business or whatever. And obviously, I know that there's people who do that kind of thing. But I don't know working on what that would look like for me to do it in a way that I'm proud of, not as a way just to like make money. Your basis is that you want to help as many people. So you could do group coaching, individual coaching. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Seems like there's something there. I'll add that to my list. 2023. (laughs) Schedule in the pipeline. Well, Case, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Alrighty. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Case. And I really like just thinking about the overlap in mindset and how we can really shift how we show up and also just how much our energy is contagious. And that also reminds me, I've been reading a good book that I wanted to share with you guys. I'm not done with it yet, but it's called Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart by Amy Chan. And it's basically about the science of what happens in your brain. And I would really recommend it, especially if you're going through a breakup or you know somebody who might be going through a breakup, you might want to send this to them. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying the podcast every Wednesday, please share this podcast with a friend or two. And you can also find me on Instagram at Dating in the Bay. Thank you again to Case for joining me today. Thank you to Studio Pod for producing the podcast. And I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Have a good one.